What is up, Devil fans? It's Wes J, February 15th, and the Devils figure out a way to win another one versus the Columbus Blue Jackets last night with a goal by Ryan Graves with one second left to go in the third period. Welcome, everybody. My name is Bill Botch, and welcome to the Trap Podcast. The Devils do it again. And this seems to be a um, reoccurring theme when it comes to this team. And you have to be really proud of the way that the team has handled themselves throughout the course of the year. Now, the Devils set um, an NHL record for the quickest amount of games to 20 uh, wins on the road with 26 games. So they have obviously been road warriors all year. And... um, they had the battle last night versus Columbus. And Columbus obviously is struggling and they're having a tough season. But the truth is, I, I don't really look at, when, regardless of who you're playing, every game, these are professionals. And every game is going to be a tough one when it comes to playing in the NHL. So I, I don't automatically think that every game is a win when you play a team in the bottom quarter of the league necessarily. But, um, yeah, so the Devils ended up, it wasn't the prettiest win. And that's kind of a thing that you've, we're, we're starting to see. They were able to do it without Jack Hughes, who was out with an upper body injury. And they have gotten five of six points while he has not been in the lineup. Uh, I would have been the first person to say Nico Heischer was the leader and most important player on the team prior to this season. And... Uh, I would have been wrong. Jack Hughes is the best player on the team. He drives offense. And while I think Nico Heischer is a very important uh, part of this team, and obviously as a young captain and as a core player and a first overall on a 200-foot game, they play a much different type of game. But let's be real, it is Jack Hughes that keeps keeps the wheels turning when it comes to the Devils' offensive productivity. Um, and he, he's going to need some help. And Dougie Hamilton has obviously been otherworldly this year. Norris Trophy type season so far, 15 goals as a defenseman, 50 something games into the year. You can't rely on guys like Dougie Hamilton to score night in, night out. That's just not fair. And it's not realistic. It's very hard. It's very hard for especially a defenseman to do. You're going to need some help um, scoring that comes from your depth, uh, your bottom six players. Uh, one of the highlights that I did think of last night's game, while it looked very tough, and we'll, we'll get into it. We're going we're gonna to take a step back, actually. So, you know, before I, before I talk about, I don't think that the way that they're playing is very sustainable. There's just way too many games that come down to, as in last night's case, the last second or the last minute of the game when we have the goalie pulled or pulling out games in overtime. They have pretty much all gone in our favor. Obviously, I know we lost in the shootout versus Minnesota the other night. But we we constantly are in this situation where we end up coming out on top at the very end of a game whether it's a lucky bounce or just good pressure that leads to a goal. 
but it's hard to rely on that kind of play every night to get the wins. Now, what worries me is going into the playoffs, are you going to be able to do that in a seven-game series? And right now, I have a very good feeling, and it looks like the Devils could end up playing the Rangers in the playoffs. And after such a good season, it would it would really stink to see this us go out in um, in I, I don't know how to put it. I, it would see us to go out just being outplayed and not having any of those third period heroics um, if we weren't able to pull through any of those late goals and we were just and we just ended up losing to the Rangers pretty much in the first round after we had such a remarkable season. Um, which is why I, I think the Devils do need to add because there is time. To, we're in third place in the league right now, and there is absolutely um, an opportunity for the Devils to make a run in the playoffs. Do I think they're going to win the Stanley Cup? No, I don't. But that's why you play the games. And um, if you're third place in the entire NHL, you're good enough to to make a move to try to make a run. With that said, you don't want to mortgage any of the future because we look like our window could be a good five to in between five and 10 years. So you don't want to mortgage any of those young assets or super high draft picks to get a rental player. I was talking to my dad and we were talking about, you know, giving up uh, a high pick or, even a guy like Mercer or this or that. And trust me, I love Mercer just as much as all of you. I really do. But you have to call it like you see it. He, Mercer is having a very, very tough season. Um, and not to pick on him, but he has five shots in his last 10 games. It's funny because um, Todd Cordell from uh, Infernal Access brought it up. And I, I was glad to see him post something because I don't like posting trash about our own players. And it was good to see him post and just kind of give me reassurance as, man, Holtz looks, or um, Mercer looks like he's having a very tough time out there. He doesn't look like the same player that he was last year. And he, so he posted a couple stats saying that Mercer has uh, five shots in his last 10 games, and that's not going to cut it. He's got three goals in his last 26 games. Two of them came in one game. And it was that game versus Carolina where he he won the game by going to the net. And you thought that maybe you would see him start to, you know, he would pick up on that and he would start to drive to the net a little bit more, maybe get some garbage goals and be a little harder to play against. But you haven't really seen it. it he he kind of has been non-existent out there. It doesn't look like he's affecting the play at all. I don't see him getting any quality scoring chances. Um and uh, mind you, he's very young, and he has a lot of time to grow, and I think he's going to be an excellent player in the future. But lately, he looks he looks off for sure. He looks like a – because he's not affecting the game at all. It's one thing, you know, like Eric Halla, and I'm not defending him, but Eric Halla obviously had a horrible start to the season and, I mean, continues to have a, a, a rough season um, according to his – if you look back at his uh, statistic – his stats over the course of his career, this is going to be one of his worst seasons. He played on a line with Jack Hughes. He had a ton of scoring opportunities. He wasn't able to finish, but he 
put himself in the position to score. And even though he didn't finish, he was still impacting the game at some, uh, you know, to some extent. And um, when you see guys that are creating scoring chances or in the right place at the right time, and even if they don't finish, at least you know that they are involved in the game. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm a little worried about uh, Mercer right now. But we'll wait and see. I mean, Mercer's the least of our problems for sure. Um, one of the guys that I've definitely been tough on and have been extremely um, nervous about or, or concerned about was Igor Sharangovich. And in the past two games, Sharangovich looks like he's got a little life to him. And the, one of the main reasons is because that Halla zetterlin Sharangovich line looked really good last night. To me, that was the highlight of, of the night. So the team had 33 shots, but the Halla Sharangovich zetterlin line had um, 10 of the 33 shots out of, out of the entire team, those three guys. And Dougie Hamilton had six of his own. So, I mean, as far as forwards go, they drove play. I thought Halla had a great game. He had five shots on net. Each of those guys came away with a point, and um, they were plus twos on the night. So I, I really liked what I saw out of them. You have to love the the feed from Zetterlin to Sharon Govich on the first goal of the night. That was a beautiful pass, and it was actually a pretty good tip on a pass that looked like it was behind him by Halla to get the puck to Zetterlin. So the whole line really performed well on that goal. And then throughout the night, I just thought that they brought a lot. Uh, they brought a lot of pressure and they look like they kind of gelled together. That could be a line that you could maybe see as a legit third line. I mean, we all know that Halla, that Halla is a third liner. In my opinion, Sharon Govich fits right in on a third line. Zetterlin is a question mark. He kind of has played on the, he's played on the Nico line, but I mean, obviously I don't think he's a first line player. So if he could find some sort of chemistry with those two, you might have yourself a little something and it might, allow Dawson Mercer to maybe jump up and play in the top six, where if you get him going playing with the Jack Hughes and the Nico Heischers of the world, it would be an added bonus to the team. Our secondary scoring has been brutal. And it's, it's some, it's something that I think Tom Fitzgerald is going to need to address. And obviously Timo Meyer is the big fish that we're all trying to land. Now, what worries me about Timo Meyer is the Carolina Hurricanes. And you cannot afford to lose Meyer to the Hurricanes and have him kick your ass up and down the ice for the next eight years. Because Carolina is a well-oiled machine that is a good, strong, um, very disciplined hockey team led by Rod Brindamore. They have a ton of talent. They have a ton of experience. And their window is now. And I do think that Waddell is going to go out and try to convince Meyer to make a move there because he knows that there's an opportunity to win a cup. Um, and it would just be very difficult for the Devils to have to compete against Carolina and even the Rangers uh, and the rest of the East that's very strong for the next five years um, with a caliber player like Timo Meyer coming into the division 
and ending up on a rivaling, very talented squad. You saw with the the move that the Rangers made last week where Tarasenko came and he scored on his first shift, like three minutes into the game. And you just, if you watched any of those two games, um, now they've won six in a row, but um, if you watch those two games, they played Seattle and Tarasenko just looked like he gave the team a total shot of adrenaline and the team was humming. They really were. You saw Panarin kind of get into a fight, sticking up for Tarasenko, a fellow Russian. And then they went on and they put a beating on Carolina, put up six on them. And you see the kind of um, intensity and the kind of rejuvenation and what a star player can bring to a team who's on the cusp of doing something pretty good. I mean, the Rangers have a good team. So losing Jack Hughes and seeing that we have a lot of holes in our roster where we don't have any kind of death scoring. Um, I'm hoping that it makes Fitzgerald make a move to really kind of breathe some life and stoke the fire that is the devil's um, as they go into the playoffs and for years to come. With that said, from the reports from um, from 32 Thoughts, from Elliot Friedman, and even from Pierre Lebrun, it sounds like they're, they're, you know Fitzgerald is saying, hey, listen, before you make a final deal, he's talking to, to Mike Greer, and he's saying, before you deal Meyer and you make a final deal, come to us. And let me get final, the final chance. And as a businessman, that just seems like a very, it leaves you open to being robbed. That leaves you very susceptible to letting another general manager use your um, offer as trade leverage to someone else as a chip. And... I don't think that's the way you go about doing business. So like a guy like, let's say Lou Lamorello, for instance, he definitely did not offer the Vancouver Canucks his best offer for Bo Horvat and said, well, if you can get something better before you trade him, we really want him. So come back and see me. It's more of like, a, this is the best offer you're going to get. If you go out and use this offer as a trade chip to leverage it, to get more, the offer is not on the table when you come back. And that's the way it should be because you don't want to get as much as you want Timo Meyer. You don't want to have to drop your drawers in order to get him. So I'm not really a fan of that bargaining technique. Um, I think you make your best offer, you let them counter, and then you see if you can work it out. And if you can't work it out, then so be it. But I'm not, I'm not the kind of guy that says, here's my best offer, you know, if you find better somewhere else, come and see me and then I'll see if I can match it. That's just, I think that's, you're not playing from a position of power. The truth is, while San Jose obviously has a really nice piece that they're going to get rid of, the Devils have the deepest prospect pool out of anybody. And um, I think we have a little bit of leverage here too, to where we can make them a very nice, respectable win on both sides offer. Um, and I would hate to see, I would hate to see it come back and the devils 
let's say, I don't know, you, I mean, it would be very easy for another general manager to say, listen, hey, I got, uh, I'm getting two first and a very, and an A prospect coming to me. Like, what can you match in that kind of thing? And then having Fitzgerald say, all right, fine, well, we'll give you, I don't know, Mercer, a first, and Riley Walsh, for instance. When really you wanted to give up a, a Holtz, a first, and Riley Walsh. Now you're getting rid of a player who you thought was going to be part of your young core. So at the same time, I'm also the type of guy that's like, if you ha- I do not want them to give up Dawson Mercer. Flat out, period. So listen to me. If you have to give up a guy who's going to be a third-line player in order to get a first-line player who's going to be, who's going to drive play, score 30-plus goals, play a position of need on your team where he can play in the middle of the ice. We don't have anyone that plays in the middle of the ice. So we don't have anybody that plays in the slot, deflects pucks, drives to the net hard. So if you can find a player that is going to be a first-line player and you have to give up a third-line player or a fringe second-line player in order to get him, I think that you do make that move and then you worry about acquiring sandpaper playoff type assets down the road at the trade deadline in the form of rentals once our window is open. So I'm not saying doing it now or next year or maybe even the year after, but maybe four years from now or three or four years from now when Jack is in his prime, Nico should be a proven leader and in his prime and you have a couple years under Nemitz's belt, under Luke Hughes's belt, you're trying to make a run for the Stanley Cup, it's okay to move a third rounder for a, a third liner or a fourth liner or even a depth defenseman. You know, worrying about the cap and worrying about all that, well, well I understand you can't just dump money onto everybody. If you have an opportunity to go get a premier player, you pay him market value. You will be able to you will be able to work other things out. So like, for instance, Andre Palat, we overpaid him. We did. But the team had no had no history of winning. There was no um nobody on the team had had any um success. And he was a guy that brought experience and they pay, they overpaid for him to come in and show these kids what it takes to get to the next level, shows what a winning mentality looks like, shows them how to win games when they shouldn't win, like what they're doing this year, which is the most important thing. So while I'm kind of hard on them for the way that they've played the past couple of weeks, the most important thing that I'm taking away from all of this is they are winning games and they are finding ways to win games. They would have lost that game 10 times out of 10 last year. But this team is different. And they are, it's these little things. These, they're resilient. And their toughness. And it's their mentality. And this is a different team than we've seen in the past decade. It's extremely exciting. Nothing is more important than a young team expecting to win, having the confidence to go out and tie a game late in the game. It's like this is the kind of thing that you need when you go into the playoffs. And we're going to go into the playoffs this year, and whether or not we make it past the first round or the second round or whatever, it's experience. 
They need playoff experience. They need to know how tough it is to play in the playoffs. They need to see what kind of game it is. And this experience that they're having this year, whether or not their record reflects on how they've actually played for the, you know, the second half of the or the last third of the season that they've played, whether their record reflects that or not, the importance of understanding what it took to get there and how they were able to pull games out and how they got scoring from different players what is the most important thing that you can take away from this entire season. This is how great teams are formed. It's they play over their head a little bit. They they figure they they have they figure things out, they lean on each other, they believe in each other. And that turns into a winning culture to where they expect to win. And that's what you're seeing. So while I don't think that the way that they're playing right now is I don't think it's sustainable, and I don't think that that's going to lead you to start winning games in the playoffs or series in the playoffs. I I do think it's the most important thing that's happening. So I'm not taking anything away from them, um, but I would like to see some some secondary scoring. Um, you know, one of the guys that I, I just I'm really really struggling with is Miles Wood, and I I have to wonder like. When I hear this clip, I think of Miles Wood. What what would you say you do here? What what does Miles Wood do at this point? What does Miles Wood need to do in order to not dress for a game? He took himself off sides on a breakaway last night. He is completely useless. He looks like he's a hundred years old. I'm out. I am so out on Miles Wood. How do you not give a Holtz, a Graham Clark, a foot, anybody else a chance? Are you telling me that one of those three players would not have scored a goal or been more effective or had more of an impact on a game than Miles Wood has had for the past season? He has been a disgrace. They did his value by analytics. His value was $200,000. He was literally rated the worst player in the NHL. I get it. He's a veteran. He's been around a long time. He used to play with a lot of fire and grit and get into it and get scrappy and be hard to play against. I don't see any of it. I don't. And what's crazy is Mike McLeod is actually playing pretty good. Bastion has been has been a little non-existent as well, but nothing to the extent of, of Miles Wood. It's time to break up the BNW line. Let's be real. You know, you you literally wasted an entire year of a 20-year-old seventh overall pick prospect to play a guy like Miles Wood. And I get it. He's not a fourth line player. You don't want even you don't want Holtz playing on the fourth line. But you know, you saw the remarks that Patrick Kane made, and it was about Kirby Doc, and he was saying how you know Chicago moved Kirby Doc, and they moved on from him really quick. And they said, yeah, well, maybe his they didn't develop him so well. The kid's 21 years old. Like, you didn't even give him a chance. And the Devils have not given Alexander Holtz a chance. They've mismanaged him so bad. It's, it's actually a real shame. How do you expect to bring this kid back at any point? 
You didn't even let him play in Utica. So he literally hasn't played hockey in a, in a whole season, and you picked him seventh overall. And he scored in his first game. He did not look good in the beginning of the season. I got no problem with that, but you played him on a fourth line. You literally had him playing games where he was playing four minutes. As as much as I like Lindy Ruff and I respect what he's done and how he has brought a lot of, a lot of ki- kids along, man, he destroyed Alex Holtz. And it and you know we're lucky to get something for him at this point. Not lucky because he's definitely he's got a ton of value, but it's like. It's a shame because you wonder what could have been if you would have gave him and Hughes and Palat a real fair share at running out there for the first 15, 20 games of the year. But we'll, uh, we'll wait and see. What's funny was last night was um, I saw some people commenting on the Devils fans that were in Columbus last night and about the stuff that they were saying to Johnny Hockey. And it's so funny. It's so funny. You know, uh, Gaudreau is, a, is an Eagles fan, so he, he, was, uh, he posted on Twitter when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl about how bad of a call uh, the hold was on the last drive of the game. And whether or not it was a bad call or not, Whatever. I'm just happy that the Eagles didn't win. But he got trolled by Devils fans so bad that he deleted his Twitter. <laughs> That's awful. That's awful. Yeah, so... Um, and then he was getting trolled at the game, too. And it's like, don't expect us, De- don't expect us Jersey guys to go in and be, you know, super friendly with Johnny Gaudreau, who kind of used us as a bargaining chip and said that he wanted to be a devil or kind of, if he didn't say it, he let us, he let it to believe that he could have, could have, this could have been his landing spot last year and then took a call from Columbus last minute to go play for them. It's like, you get what you deserve, dude. But uh, it was kind of funny to see how the Devils fans trolled. Trolled um, Johnny Hockey this week. One of the guys that you have to be really excited about is uh, Andre Palat, who has clearly found his groove. The guy can play up and down the lineup. He can play with anybody. He's been really, really good. He's got six points in his last four games. And um, the Devils have to figure out how to get Nico out of a slump. He's the, he's the captain. He's supposed to be the heart and soul of the team. He has not looked very good. And I think it's time that you break up that first line, which is what they did last night. They played Tatar with Heischer. Tatar came off of a really good game the other night where he had two goals. Um, but Nico's got to get going. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know what's going on. But he does not look like the same player that he was at the beginning of the year. He's got he's to get it together. The Devils can't expect to, to win. And, the you know, I've talked about it 10 million times, but the – the um, schedule in March is going to be very tough. They're going to need uh, Heischer to to be on point if they want to hold their spot down the line um, in the playoffs, down the stretch. So there has been um, there has been a couple rumors. So I've been obviously everybody has been refreshing Twitter and listening to every podcast and trying to get an idea as to what the hell is going on with Timo Meyer. It's like, we need this guy. 
I can't, I can't stress it enough. We need this guy. And you have to love, like, Mike Rupp. Mike Rupp is such a Jersey guy. He's a Jersey guy at heart. And um, obviously, he was a Stanley Cup champ with the Devils. And you got to love how he is supporting the Timo Meyer to New Jersey cause online and is uh, kind of getting behind the Devils. It's really, it's really fun to see. So thank you, Rupper. But one of the things they said is that Meyer said that nobody has reached out to Claude Lemieux about um, signing a long-term extension with their team yet. And I know that that's something that the Devils are going to want to do before they make a really big move like this. So they don't want to they don't want to give up Holtz, a first, and Walsh, which is my in my head that's that's the package I'm offering. I'm I'm offering Alex Holtz, our first round pick. And Riley Walsh. And that's a pretty damn good package. So it's like, that's, I feel like that is a very fair um, package. Whether they want Muka Madulin or they want a Kevin Ball, I don't know. But that's where I would start. And I would, and I would start negotiating from there. But um, they don't want to give that up if they don't know that they're going to be able to sign him long term. Now, part of me, just because he's talking to teams in the East, which obviously Carolina is what I'm really worried about, but Toronto and Vegas have also been mentioned. I really think it's us and Carolina, straight up. And part of me is like, I think that if you got him and he didn't have the extension, you would still be able to sign him. I think with Heischer and Siegenthaler, and if you give him a fair deal, which his market value is is nine million, but I think if you gave him eight times eight, which would be the Jack deal, which is what Fitz wants to play around, and that goes for you too, Jesper Bratt, then if you could get him for eight and a half and get Bratt for seven and a half, and average it out at eight years times eight and get both of those guys signed, I think that's a no-brainer. Obviously, I'd feel a lot more comfortable if they were able to get an extension in place before they moved him. But at this point, I do think that they would be able to sign him long-term, even if they didn't have a contract in place. The longer this goes on, the the less likely I feel like it's going to happen. Um, I just, I, I feel like, it reminds me of free agency day and it reminds me of Johnny Gaudreau and you know, there's a part of me the day that they signed Dougie Hamilton where it just kept going and it became, you thought it was going to happen at 11 o'clock or noon or whenever, it, you know, free agency opened and next thing you know, it was five o'clock at night and they still didn't have anybody and you were losing hope. And I kind of, I don't know. I just I want it to get done sooner rather than later. The trade the trade deadline is approaching very soon, so um, I feel like this would be a good time to do it while Jack is on the mend, which he should be coming back any day now. But I feel like this is a safe time to do it. I feel like they have the assets. I feel like he's such the right piece to the puzzle um, that it would make a lot of sense, and I hope that they're able to get it done. A couple of other trades that people are talking about, Jacob Chikrin, Obviously, has been on the trading block for what feels like the past 15 years. Um, he sat out the other night, which really reminded me of 
when the Devils tried to pull that with Taylor Hall. And I think that what that does is it gives teams an ur- a sense of urgency to where like, oh man, he's sitting out, which means he's going to be moved. I don't know if I have days to make this deal happen anymore. I might only have hours. So teams kind of send their best, their best offers in. And then it kind of fast forwards the, the entire um, negotiation process a little bit quicker and you're able to move the guy out. But when it doesn't work, it's a bluff. And then you get caught and it could really come back to bite you in the ass. Now, they've been trying to move chicken forever. And the rumor was that the Kings wanted him. And the Kings would be a good team for him. They really would. But there was a rumor that they wanted Brant Clark. And that doesn't make any sense. Why would you give up Brant Clark for Jacob Chikrin? That's just, that makes no sense at all to me. And that kind of got dismissed very quickly by all of the big insiders, the Pierre Lebruns, the Elliot Freemans. And it's just, they, they set these rumors out there. And what it does is it drives the price up and then it allows, and then it makes other teams who are desperate come in and offer higher offers. And that's kind of what I worry about the Sharks doing with the Devils when Fitzgerald says, you got to come to me before you make the final move. Like, I just don't think that that's, I don't think that's the right way to do business. But, um, you know, one of the places that does scare me is chicken could end up in Boston. And if you were to have McAvoy, Chikrin, Hampus Lindholm, that is, I don't, how are, like, what are you going to do? What is it? What are, what would you do? Like, I don't understand how you would possibly, on top of having uh, Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand and guys that play really good two-way games, that would be, I mean, if this really is Bergeron's last year, which he's said for a year or two now, which he looks like he's still going to win the Selkie, even in his last season at 38 years old or whatever he is. If this really is his last year and the team knows that, they might make a play to get Chikrin and just try to solidify what has been their game this year has been insane. The Boston Bruins are nuts. And Pablo Zaka is playing pretty good. But the the Bruins have just been so good. And um, if they were able to add Chikrin to the back end, that could really put them in the driver's seat to make them a Stanley Cup favorite down the stretch. So I, I would check out for that. Another big guy that it, they're trying to move is obviously Eric Carlson. Eric Carlson has been linked to the Edmonton Oilers. Um, the problem with Carlson is he's he's under contract for three more years. And in order to go to Edmonton, they would need San Jose to eat some of his salary, which is fine, but it's not normal to eat salary for three years, and that's a lot. Um, you know, they, they kind of – a lot of people think that, like, Edmonton needs to add some more physicality, some more playoff-type defensemen um, that play a little bit more of a heavier game. But they asked the Connor McDavid's and the Leon Dreisaitl's, and they said, what do you really want? And they said, we want a really good five-on-five puck-moving defenseman. So not not a power play, not a guy to, to quarterback the power play, which obviously he can, but – they want somebody that five on five 
can transition the puck and let them use their speed. And when you ask those guys if, hey, you know, you tell us what you want, they have to be pretty receptive to that because if they don't, it's kind of like, well, why did you ask me to begin with? So as of now, Edmonton has Tyson Barry on the back end, who is very good. He quarterbacks a power play really well. And Edmonton's power play is phenomenal. It's one of the best power plays in NHL history. So I don't know how much better you're going to make their power play. but And I don't know if you can keep Barry if you get Eric Carlson. But when was the last time you saw a Norris Trophy? He looks like he's going to win the Norris Trophy. When was the last time you saw a Norris Trophy winner get moved in the middle of his, you know, Norris Trophy season? So this is a very interesting thing to watch. I think San Jose wants to move his contract now because they think that this might be his only chance, their only chance to move it while he's having such a good season. Um, but we'll wait and see. There's a, there's a lot going on at the trade deadline. I love it. Let's see if there's anything going on right now. Nothing. Nothing yet. Devils are in third place in the East. And um, we got St. Louis tomorrow. And St. Louis is unloading some people. You know, one of the guys that I really like is Pavel Buchnevich. He's a guy that I would consider, you know, trying to pick up if, the, if Meyer falls through. We obviously, I think we all like Luke Shen. He could definitely be a nice addition. Um, I'm not a big Max Domi guy. There's a lot to be, there's a lot of people out there. I mean, um, like a guy like Klinberg, like, but I don't know what you want to give up for a rental. You know what I mean? Like you're not going to give these guys up unless you think you're going to make a real run. They have to figure out what they want to do with Severson. So there's, um, there's a lot going on, but I get my uh, Simone Nemitz jersey tomorrow, and I'm pretty stoked about that. It, it, only, it only took the uh, NHL shop a month and a half to get it to me, but um, it's it's finally coming. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding you, Dano. It took him about a month and a half to get it to me. And, um, yeah, so we got a big one tomorrow. Hopefully they come out and they look a little better. Hopefully Jack Hughes looks pretty good or is uh, is getting better, and he, he could come back maybe – if not at the Pittsburgh game, he can come back at Winnipeg. But I feel like this whole Timo Meyer thing, I feel like uh, the chips are about to, to, to fall at some point. And uh, don't be surprised if you see somebody make a move very, very shortly. So um, that's about it. But thank you all for tuning in. I appreciate your support. We got a bunch of Devils hockey coming up. So... Looking forward to sharing it with all you guys. My name is Bill Bosch. Hope you enjoyed the Trap Podcast. I'll talk to you on Friday. Peace. Other half die. Other half 
Every single 